Today's episode of Dog Nation Daily is brought to you by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, viewed to be the best. Presented by DogNation.com, this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. Here's your host, Brandon Adams. One of my favorite things about the job I get to do every day is the interaction I get to have with fans. And I think when you try to stay plugged into what fans are saying directly to you, sometimes through social media, through our comment sections, things like that, I think you get a pretty interesting window into how, like the mood of Dog Nation about you know you know various topics. And I think if you're going to try to convey you know, information on a show like this, we always say we are the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans, meaning that you know this is kind of a, a conversation ongoing that reflects the mood of fans. And so you better stay plugged into fans if you want to be able to have that conversation correctly. And the big news of last week was five-star quarterback Arch Manning making his decision to, to go to Texas. And in the aftermath of that, I think the thing that you sort of universally saw was that Georgia fans kind of i mean they're obviously disappointed anytime you take an l in recruiting you're disappointed but georgia fans for the most part are like we still think that uga is going to be fine here that was kind of the overall i think prevailing theme from a lot of the fans that i heard from is there wasn't a lot of panic related to manning going somewhere else but once you kind of got past that here's what i also thought was kind of interesting is that in terms of the questions that rise after a decision like that manning picking texas I didn't see as many fans gravitating towards, well, who's the next quarterback we're going to recruit? Is it going to be a 2023 guy or is it going to be one of the big names from 2024? There was obviously some of that. We did some of that on the show ourselves going back to to Friday when Jeff Sintel's on the show. But that was not the prevailing question that came out of the Manning news. The, The prevailing question to come out of Arch Manning choosing Texas over Georgia was, tell me more about the quarterbacks Georgia has. How good is Carson Beck? How good is Brock Vandegrift? How good is Gunnar Stockton? How good are the guys waiting in the wings there at UGA? There is a lot of intrigue right now, I would say, on the part of Georgia fans about what Georgia has at the quarterback position in terms of the depth awaiting the opportunity to either overtake Stetson Bennett, maybe if if he were to get hurt or whatever sometime this year, or uh, you know, certainly looking to the future, one of those guys as the future for George at the quarterback position. It certainly seems like, on the basis of the conversations that I've you know been able to witness, been a part of, there's a lot more interest from Georgia fans right now about the current young former elite recruits on the roster than there would be about the next elite recruit that Georgia might bring in at the quarterback position, be a class of 2023, class of 2024, and I think that's kind of interesting. And if you're one of those fans that kind of put your put yourself in that category of hey i'm really curious about carson beck or i'm really curious about brock vandegrift or i'm really curious about gunner stockton kirby smart late last week i think gave you a little something that you might like and it might tide you over here a little bit until the season begins in terms of the confidence level that he has about that position it certainly seems like this year this offseason we've talked about kirby smart and stuff related to offense We've used the word confidence a lot. To me, there's a noticeable difference in terms of the way that he talks about all this right now. He just seems to be pretty bullish about that side of the ball. So in a moment, I am going to let you hear some audio that Smart did uh, as part of an interview on Friday. But before we get to that, I want to kind of set it up here a little bit. Is that over the course of years, there are different ways in which Kirby Smart talks about young players who haven't played. 
you know, it's pretty common. And if you go back through and you can go back to our Dog Nation YouTube page and see examples of this yourself, you know, ask about freshmen performing well at spring practice. And Smart is always pretty, you know, aggressively unwilling to mention anybody by name. And he's even said before, well, if I say somebody by name, you guys are going to start hyping up, blah, 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 that that he doesn't like to feed into hype when it comes to to stuff like that the same way on national signing day when it comes to you know certain recruits you know he's just really really careful sometimes about uh about hyping up someone that we haven't seen or hyping up someone that came in with some accolades he doesn't like to feed that beast i think that you would probably agree with my assessment on this that smart typically chooses his words pretty careful when it comes to young talent especially young talent that already has a little bit of a fan following and anything that he says might you know uh you know raise that profile that's generally true for smart except when it's not i want to give you an example years ago of a time in which smart when it comes to an incoming freshman who had a lot of buzz around him that smart didn't mind feeding into that and at the time if smart was this willing to speak this openly about a incoming freshman of the program you had to be led to believe that he must believe what he's saying here that he must truly think this guy has a chance to be special this guy has a chance to be a contributor very early on in his uga career the name that i'm talking about here is jake Fromm. let's go back to prior to the 2017 season now quick history lesson and then we'll kind of set all this up prior to the 2017 season georgia had come off an eight and five campaign in smart's first year of 2016 and Georgia had seemingly settled on Jacob Eason as its starting quarterback. As many of you know, Eason was a five-star signee for that class of 2016, and the one thing you're pretty sure that Georgia had coming off Smart's otherwise lackluster first year was, well, you've got the five-star cemented as the starting quarterback. But during that offseason, with Jacob coming off of his uh, first year as UGA starter, with Jake Fromm, a signee from the class of 2017, just showing up on campus, Smart spent a lot of time that offseason talking up Jake Fromm, including an example here from SEC Media Days, where Smart was pretty open to the idea that Fromm was a competitor for the starting job at UGA, despite the fact that Eason had tons of accolades going back to his first year at UGA. Now, all of this is a way of setting up what Smart is saying right now about quarterbacks. But let me let you hear this as an example of Smart just sometimes believing in young players publicly a little more than others. This is Smart on Fromm going back to 2017. Jake Fromm's a talented young man who's going to come in here and compete. He's That's why he's here mid-year. He's here to learn, to compete. He has a really good understanding. He was really coached well in high school and played in a system that was um, complicated from a scheme standpoint and coverage standpoint. So he comes in ahead of your, your normal average freshman. So he's going out there with the intent of competing for that job and winning over the team. And that's what we expect him to come out and compete and do. So that's a level of confidence that Smart showed in from in 2017. Now, when Kirby was saying that, he had no idea that Jacob Eason would get interest, uh, injured in the season opener. He had no idea what was yet to come, but Smart seemingly believed in Fromm. And when Fromm took over week one, he went on to lead Georgia as a freshman quarterback to the national championship game. They won the SEC. They made the college football playoff. They beat Oklahoma in the Rose Bowl. All of that on the back of a freshman quarterback that Smart told you that offseason – he thought was good enough to play he thought was good enough to compete for the starting job the point of all of this is is that when georgia has had a quarterback 
waiting in the wings that Smart trusted, he has had no problem saying that was indeed the case. Now, fast forward back to the present tense. Last week, Smart was on a podcast called Crane and Company, and he was talking about quarterbacks again. He was asked about the level of depth you have the quarterback position right now. Stetson Benet is your starting quarterback, but what about Carson Beck? What about Brock Vandegrift? What about Gunnar Stockton? And to me, when you hear Smart speak here, I think you hear a similar level of confidence in these other quarterbacks in Smart's voice compared to what you would have heard, maybe heard about a Jake Fromm prior to the start of the 2017 season. So if you're a Georgia fan, curious about what UGA has, maybe the confident way in which Smart spoke about his quarterbacks last week, maybe it'll get your attention. This is Kirby from Crane & Company. I would easily say this is the, the best when you take a picture of the whole room top to bottom, those four guys that are going to meet in that quarterback room in fall camp, uh, the most depth we've ever had, um, especially the most depth of kind of like the guys that I know and trust can play the position. You know, they've Brock's been through a, a couple springs now. Carson, Carson's been through a couple springs. I've got to see him in spring games. I've got to see him in game action. Uh, you get to see these guys really compete and grow. And obviously, we know Stetson's played in a lot of football games from what we saw last year. And uh, Gunner had some promising stuff in the spring. So I, I really am excited about where those guys are. So when you hear Kirby Smart say that, I think that ought to mean something to you. Now, listen, I'm not going to go crazy as to try to like put myself in Smart's inside his head and know exactly what he means by every single thing or try to read between lines on, on things like that. But as I mentioned, there are plenty of examples in the past where Smart has chosen to go slowly when it comes to hyping up a player too much. I don't think he's overhyping quarterbacks there, but he is clearly showing a level of confidence in them. And I think circumstantial evidence would lead you to believe that he's showing a level of confidence in them now that maybe he didn't have a year ago. Like when when JT Daniels was hurt at the beginning of last season, it was commonly assumed that Carson Beck was the backup quarterback. But when Georgia had to name a new starter in place of the injured Daniels for the UAB game, I don't think there's any other read on that situation other than Georgia apparently just didn't think Carson Beck was ready, and it knew it had Stetson Bennett, but at least started a game before and gave him a chance to go out there, the rest obviously being history. But the circumstantial evidence you have to use to evaluate what happened a year ago was is that Georgia just didn't have quite have the confidence in back then to step in in place of an injured JT Daniels. But when you listen to the specific language that Smart uses there about those quarterbacks, apparently there is more of that kind of confidence in back now, and there might be some of that confidence in Brock Vandegrift too, and maybe eventually Gunnar Stockton there as well, who Smart also says some pretty good things about. So I don't think we, you know, media types, fans, whatever, have any other choice other than to take Smart at his word when he says those things that Smart likes this quarterback room for Georgia right now, calls it clearly, easily the best that he's had there at UGA. And that doesn't mean he doesn't want to see more from that group, challenging them all to get better in certain ways. And during the interview on Friday, Smart went into more detail about what that is. What do I need to see? I need to see them continue to develop, um, take on that leadership role. You know, we've tried to put those four guys in front of the team or maybe in front of their individual uh, age groups uh, more often because we want to see them develop. We want to see them get ready to play. And you don't ever know when your number's going to be called at quarterback. We've seen that here really over the last three or four years yep. um, because we've seen a different quarterback emerge um, from maybe who the season starter was a couple times. So I'm excited about those guys. They've got great ability, and I think Coach Munkin and the, the, the staff does a great job with them. 
I mean, I just think there's so much to unpack there on that. We've talked before about, you know, what is the process by which you determine if you do have a quarterback that you would trust as your starter? Georgia doesn't always give a lot of passing opportunities to quarterbacks and backup roles when they come into games. A lot of other programs don't either, but Georgia has typically, you know, uh, you know, played pretty conservatively late in games when it has big leads with a backup in the game. So that's not necessarily a fully evaluative moment. Uh, but what do you see as a coach that would lead you to, you know, to build trust in, in a quarterback? And Smart says there, hey, it's how these guys lead when they are put in front of their own age group. You know, other guys that kind of came in as part of the same signing class, you would presume. You know, how well do these guys step up and speak and, and address a team or address a portion of the team? And that goes a long way towards determining the kinds of trust they're able to earn in the coaches. And it would seem like, on the words of Smart there, that is trust that right now is being earned, not just by Carson Beck, who's the oldest of the group, but maybe Brock Vandegrift and, as I said, eventually Gunnar Stockton there as well. If you want to fast forward beyond the 2022 season for a moment, this is a year in which I think that Georgia could very easily win the national championship again. I believe they're a little undervalued in terms of their overall chances to be able to do that. But if you want to fast forward beyond whatever happens in 2022 for a moment, and this is a, I would say, a big source of curiosity for a lot of fans, and think about the 2023 season for a moment. This is one of the really big open issues facing not just UGA, but Smart in particular. Is Georgia's 2023 starting quarterback currently on the roster? Given the fact that, you know, there's transfer portal now and all those kinds of things, there are obviously other avenues that you could pursue to find a starting quarterback for 2023. But I get the impression that's not really what the majority of fans want right now. Now, eventually they all just want Georgia to have a great quarterback, but but in terms of the kind of quarterback that Georgia wants, I get the impression that there are a lot of fans who sort of hope all of these recruiting battles that Georgia has won over the course of the last few years, that kind of comes to fruition in the post-Stetson Bennett world heading towards 2023. And then the next signal caller for UGA is a guy being developed currently on this roster, whether it's Brock or whether it's Carson or eventually Gunner, whatever else. There are a lot of folks who hope that Georgia shows not just the ability to turn Stetson Bennett into a national championship level quarterback. That's a box that's been checked. That's something that's been done. But then create his predecessor as well from the depth that's currently in the room. And if you're one of those fans that hope that's the case, I think you ought to take some comfort in Smart's words. It certainly sounds like he likes a lot of what he's saying. And maybe this fall on the field, late in games when Georgia's blowing him out, whoever its opponent might be, Maybe we'll get a chance to see with our own eyes what Smart says that he's seeing right now. My name is Brandon Adams, and this is Dog Nation Daily, the daily podcast for Georgia Bulldogs fans. We're presented by Pella Window and Door of Georgia, and we're happy to have you with us. No matter how you get to us today, live on video, 945, first and 15, dognation.com, Dog Nation app, 10 a.m. after that, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Twitch, or on the radio at noon on Athens Sports Radio 960, The Rev, and we're available as a podcast wherever you find them the apple player the spotify google player post the show at the world famous dog nation.com lots of ways for you to get in touch with our program and however you get to us we're just happy to have you with us here today and man oh man do we thank our friends at palo window and door of georgia for making it all possible you know here's the thing i love about my job is that not only do we have great sponsors that help us you know keep the lights on around here but it's also one of those things where I can very easily convey to you the ways in which a great company like Pella Window and Door of Georgia can be of great service to you. I love having a sponsor that I know 
does right by the folks that are listening and watching us right now when it comes to getting better windows better doors more energy efficient windows and doors product that just looks better on the outside i know that's what pella window and door of georgia is all about and at a time in which everything's kind of more expensive seemingly than it's been before finding a way to save a little bit of money on energy bills obviously that's a pretty good thing to be able to do so when you're running that ac you know overdrive here during the summertime of year make sure that cold air stays inside the house where it's supposed to be that's what better windows and doors can do for you that's what pella window and door of george is also uh, all about and as you're thinking about maybe resale value of your home curb appeal all those things that are also important to you there as well Pella window and door of George can be a big step forward for you on all of that too. And you want some savings? How about this? Between now and July 2nd, you can get 10% off your entire project or no payments, no interest for 12 months. So a few more days, take advantage of that great uh, savings opportunity there. There's been all kinds of surveys, surveys over the years that obviously indicate the folks at Pella window and door of Georgia. They've got the leading product in the space right now. Uh, and everybody in the Atlanta area seems to know that. So you can find that out for yourself. Just make sure you check them out online. PellaofGA.com slash dog nation. That's PellaofGA.com slash dog nation. You can also give them a call 678-638-1496. That's 678-638-1496. Pella window and door of Georgia is viewed to be the best. All right, we're going to go around the doghouse here. It's presented by AAA. And it's probably going to take us more than just around the doghouse to like unpack all of this. There is, I'm talking about an unmitigated, disastrous meltdown that has been taking place at Florida over the course of the weekend. Now, the biggest bold print headline is that the quarterback, Jaden Rashada, chose Miami over Florida, and we'll get to there on that in, in a moment. But in a roundabout way, in terms of the thing that's kind of gotten Florida fans acting the most hysterical, if you're a UGA fan, all you can do is sort of stop and just kind of enjoy this. Like the stuff that's actually gotten the, the, the Florida fans the most worked up would not really seem to be as related to Rashada as it is related to some other recruits that Florida's kind of been in pursuit of who kind of seemingly all started drifting away from Florida like right at the same time. Like there's a guy named Peyton Kirkland who may be going to Mississippi, um, I should say Michigan State. Uh, there's Trayon Webb, kind of a running back type guy who looks like he may be going to Penn State. You had a guy that visited Florida and then right on the heels of the Florida visit committed to Florida State just like right away, like a couple of minutes after seemingly the Florida visit was done. And a lot of the promised like activity of being aggressive in terms of bringing in transfer players a lot of this has just not happened for florida and i like to kind of visit not just georgia message boards but opposing team message boards there as well because i do like the drama that kind of comes with message board culture and if you've been following florida fans on social media or if you've been visiting any gator message boards you have seen i mean it is not you know too strong of a phrase to say a total meltdown around all of this which led to the relatively unprecedented step over the weekend of uh, Florida coach Billy Napier having to pen an open letter to Florida fans. And if you want to know how bad things are for your program, is your coach having to do an open letter to the fans? Uh, that's when you know things are not going well. The end of this letter was, uh, you're part of this team. We can't wait to see the swamp this fall as we embark on the journey to our new future. Go Gators. And you see the, the Billy Napier signature right there on all of that i mean it is just a messy situation at florida that led to this letter even having to be written the fact that florida fans are just disappointed that napier who is in, you know legitimately building up the 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 recruiting staff more so than dan mullen had it but it's not really showing much in the way uh, of results at all 
and kind of all of that goes down there now all of this was the precursor to what happens with Jaden Rashada so Jaden Rashada is big time quarterback out of California at one point in time was thought to be heavily involved with Florida but as we've told you in the show here over the course of the uh, last few weeks that seemingly he has been kind of trending away from Florida for a little while it seemed like Texas A&M might get involved then Miami got heavily involved well over the course of the weekend Rashada committed to uh committed to Miami now listen there is a big big uh, report out there from on three that the financial considerations for Rashada for choosing Miami somewhere in the neighborhood of like nine point something million dollars and supposedly Florida offered him like 11 million dollars but he wanted to be at uh he wanted to be at Miami so he chose less money to go there there's a big story at on three about that quoting the same lawyer that's been connected to like the the Nico Amaliva stuff and things like that but also in the midst of that story there was a pretty damning claim on the part of, is, is it Mike Caspino? Is that, is that his first name? Mike Caspino is the attorney that represents uh, Rashada. So here's the quote that got a lot of attention from on three about the Florida NIL collective trying to step up and make a com- competitive offer that would get Rashada to choose Florida over Miami. So what Caspino says is that Florida's the most dysfunctional collective in all of college football. Uh, He says, I plan on steering my clients away from them. From my standpoint, I never want to deal with them again. He says if it wasn't for the collective at Florida being completely dysfunctional, that uh, Rashada may have very well ended up at Florida, but essentially went there because uh, of how dysfunctional the Florida collective is. Now, this got the Gator Collective responding on social media there as well. All of this playing out in the last 24 hours. They fire back through an official statement at Caspino saying, the recent comments by California lawyer Michael Caspino have been brought to our attention. Gator Collective has never had any communication with Mr. Caspino about Jaden Rashada or any other recruits. Rather, Gator Collective has refused to engage in any dialogue with Mr. Caspino on numerous occasions as Gator Collective does not approve of his tactics and has no interest in engaging in activities which violate florida law and ncaa interim policy that may put athletes eligibility at risk so the gator collective fires back on all this now since then on twitter caspino has kind of fired back again and basically called them you know spoiled millennials or whatever it was that he said he used the phrase millennial in in describing uh the people that run the uh, gator collective and on the other side of this you got john ruiz who is the famous miami booster who has been in the center of so many different nil claims well he comes out on twitter and says the report by on3.com is inaccurate as it relates to jaden rashada i've never spoken to mr caspino about jaden rashada mr caspino and i have spoken on an unrelated player months ago and had a very professional and pleasant conversation i respect him here's my thing about john ruiz the very famous miami booster like how many times do you have to go public and say oh the thing that's been reported about me is not true at a certain point in time if you're having to deny a bunch of claims about yourself you may have a different series of problems but if you're a georgia fan on all of this you just get to sit back and watch what appears to be an absolute total meltdown on the part of the gators billy napier writing uh Uh, letters to fans telling them to calm down basically and then you know famous attorney connected to big time recruit basically talking about a you know uh disorganized gator collective and florida fans just kind of cringing through the entire thing 
it has rarely been better to be a Georgia fan than it is right now. Reigning national champs, that feels good. But also watching your rivals, Auburn earlier this offseason, Florida now, go through the disaster they're going through. Uh, what a time to be a dog fan and watch soap operas like this play out. That is around the doghouse. is presented today by our friends at AAA. And of course, you think about uh, AAA for legendary roadside assistance when I'm traveling this time of year. I love that. But you can also get discounts with your insurance through AAA there as well, including the AAA drive discount. You can improve your driving skills and save money on all your auto insurance with free AAA mobile app feature. You can call 833-718-2075 to find a branch near you. That's 833-718-2075. 075 to find a branch near you and find out all the ways which AAA can save for you when it comes to your uh, uh, auto insurance and all the other cool stuff going on there. Of course, quick disclaimer, the coverage is subject to all policy terms, conditions, exclusions, and limitations, and subject to underwriting requirements. Insurance underwritten by Member Select Insurance Group. Uh, AAA drive participation is optional, subject to terms, conditions, availability. AAA drive auto insurance discount. It's not available in all states. Download mobile app activation of AAA drive and the ability to record journeys are uh, required to receive the discount. Savings may vary based on uh, driving behavior discounts apply to select covers only and they're not applied to statutory uh, assessments and fixed uh, expense fees discounts may vary by state please refer to the terms and conditions more information to determine participation availability check your phone's eligibility at google play or the app store by texting mobile app 99513 i think you get the point here uh so check that out today 833-718-2075 and you can learn a lot more about that with that said a lot going on around uga kirby likes his quarterbacks dog fans like to see the meltdown happening at florida everything else related to uga let's do it right now with our buddy john stinchcomb here on dog nation daily presented by Pella window and door of georgia here today and across the SEC or wherever the recruiting trail may lead. Here's a DogNation.com insider. Say hello to John Stinchcomb. Always great to have him as a part of Dog Nation Daily, presented by Palo Window Indoor of Georgia on a uh, day like this. And uh, John, hope you had a nice weekend. Hope you're enjoying a great summer. And I'm sure you're like me when you hear stories about Billy Napier, the Florida coach, having to calm down his fans or you know, outspoken lawyers talking about, you know, Florida's inability to participate in NIL right now. Seeing that kind of just turmoil for a, for a UGA rival, especially the lousy, stinking Gators, uh, I got to tell you, that's pretty enjoyable for me, and I'm sure you kind of failed the same way. Oh, yeah. The first thing I do is get a good chuckle out of the fact that uh, Florida seems to be struggling so mightily on the uh, recruiting slash NIL recruitment trail. Uh, it, it also makes me just sit back and – Marvel at the fact that so many folks have discretionary funds that they can throw millions of dollars uh, to try to recruit players into their their college team. So once you start involving agents and uh, you know he said she said with the collectives and millions of dollars on the table, it, it just seems so far from where we were you know, what three years ago and uh, college athletics and the fight for amateurism, which has mm-hmm. become you know more of a, a, a laughing punchline than uh, factuality because yeah. as we can see, I mean, you, you look at Nico's deal in Tennessee and uh, what happened uh, with Texas A&M and the kerfuffle between them and Alabama. And, and it has everything to do with, you know, millions of dollars to transpiring and, and, and changing hands for the recruitment of, of high school players. So much different landscape, but it's always enjoyable when we see uh, Florida struggle. So, it was. Uh, it's made for some some good reads. Yeah, I think you're exactly right about. It. I think there are two things going on here. It's a representation of kind of the current landscape of college football, but also kind of a interesting subplot involving a Georgia rival here too. And 
on that part of it for, for another moment, John, what I find kind of fascinating is, you know, you and I are both old enough to remember when like Florida State in the 90s was like probably the top shelf program the entire sport they were top five seemingly every year year after year after year won a couple of national championships this was as good a program as you could be back then and here we are now in 2022 and all of that truly does seem like ancient history and i guess in one respect it almost is ancient history but it's been a long time since florida state has really kind of reminded you of that great bobby bowden era you know obviously jimbo fisher had a little bit of a blip there but but it's just been a lot of years that has not been true and you know, this is one of those things where honesty compels me to admit, and this is not just me saying this because I'd like for it to be true. I mean, I just think it's an accurate reading of the situation. If you're Florida, you got to be really, really careful here. You know, the Will Muschamp era did not work out. Your next coach, Jim McElwain, that didn't work out. The Dan Mullen era didn't work out. All of a sudden, now you've pinned your hopes on a very inexperienced group of five level head coach prior to coming to you, and you hope that he's going to be the transformational figure that you, that you need. Well, what if he's not? And right now, he's certainly gotten off to a very slow start in terms of recruiting and everything else. And the 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 inexperience seems to be showing here a bit. I think he shot off his mouth a little bit about what he was going to be able to do quickly and maybe uh, overestimated his ability to do that. But if you're Florida, and this is not just me as a Georgia fan kind of poking here. This is, I think, the truth. You better be very careful that you don't fail with another head coach because at that point in time, that's just putting whatever your glory years are, you know, the Tim Tebow, Urban Meyer, Steve Spurrier era, that's just pushing that more and more into the distant past where all of a sudden you have to have a good bit of gray in your hair to have any real memory of that whatsoever. Florida's in a kind of a precarious spot for its program right now, I would say. And once again, if you're a Georgia fan, I certainly hope they fall flat on their face and fail. Mm -hmm. But just because I want it to be true doesn't mean it won't be true. I, I think you can see cycles in football and across programs. And you see programs that had their era and, and have struggled down through a valley and are fighting their way back. And you know, I, I agree wholeheartedly with the assessment of Florida. I say Auburn is, is right there behind them in that curve in that uh, you better, you better do something quick or else, you know, it, it's hard to regain that momentum. I, I think Florida still has, uh, national recruitability, but you got to prove it. And you, and, and the greatest recruiter is winning or has been until you start throwing millions of dollars around. But I, I agree in the assessment that you start stringing a couple of coaching hires that don't pan out for you, whether they're good coaches or not. And, and your program can really struggle. I think Tennessee is in the middle of that and trying to recover, uh, with, with some some down years and uh, Florida seems to be right at that same place as, as Tennessee has been maybe a few years ago and, and on the national landscape you could point to the same thing the, the dominance that Nebraska had at one time or USC where um, they were nationally relevant and, and have slipped further from that in, in subsequent years and Florida is right in that cusp of uh, you better do something or else you're stringing together these tenures that have not produced and you, you fall off the, or outside of the scope of, of that national spotlight. And let me just say one more thing about this. I think this entire story as it's played out kind of demonstrates the thing that I don't like the most, but the current like sort of NIL culture that we're in right now. I truly don't care that much about players getting money. I don't care about them getting paid over the table. I honestly don't care that much about them getting paid under the table. I just don't really care that much about that. That's just not the kind of thing I spend a lot of time thinking about one way or another. I don't, I don't count other people's money for the most part. But the thing I don't like about uh, the current 
like age that we're in is we are giving a lot of power and influence over to people that I don't think we particularly vetted very well. And whether it be, you know, lawyer dude who represents, you know, a certain player or, you know, figures who've kind of emerged as the leader of these NIL collectives that, you know, I don't know who these people are. You know, the, the, the lawyer for Rashada says the collective is bad. The collective says the lawyer's bad. How do we know they're both not bad? Like, I, I honestly don't know. It's, it seems like we're giving a lot of power and influence to this new category of stakeholder within college football. Like administrators, we know who they are. They've been vetted over the course of years. Coaches, we know who they are. They've been vetted over the course of years. These are people who've been proven to have, I would say, the best interest of the future of college athletics in mind because it is their livelihood. What I think I see right now from a lot of these sort of new figures kind of connected to NIL is they're a lot willing to a lot more willing to be risky. They're a lot more willing to to you know wager the future to benefit them in the present. I mean that's one of the things the Gator Collective said about Caspino, the lawyer for Jalen Rashada, is as a way of making himself seem big, he's putting Rashada's eligibility at stake by speaking on the record about how much money Rashada got from Miami allegedly for for signing with them. That does seem relatively risky, and it seems like the kind of thing meant to benefit the lawyer more so than the player. Like, are we sure we want these people this involved in college athletics? Because, John, I'm not quite so sure I trust them. Well, I I think that's been the argument uh, for these past couple years. I think you look at uh, what some of the players uh, out of the Pac-10 did maybe two years ago, and and they had a power play where they made a list of demands and players have signed off on it, and uh, you look at, at some of the lawyers involved that were pushing that train and the profitability that could come for them uh, because of decisions like that. And you start realizing that, you know, what drives motivation most of the time is that mighty dollar and how it can slide into my pocket. And uh, this is no different. Uh, these, I think there is uh, healthy versions, but anytime you start throwing these kind of dollar amounts around, there's going to be sharks in the water. And uh, I'm sure that there are folks that are well-intentioned and, and are trying to look out for the best interests of players. And I'm also equally as certain that there are those that are self-motivated and uh, have selfish intentions. And there will be a number of young people that fall prey to uh, some predators in the water and it's, it's unfortunate. I don't know. I don't know what you do at this point to, to try to put some reins and restrictions on those that uh, are, are trying to seek some predatory practices and uh, probably don't understand fully because who really does what this landscape look like, looks like and what the risks are for these 17, 18 year olds that, uh, quite honestly, have some of the most unique and uh, unprecedented opportunities that anyone can have. I mean, this is it's a whole new market where never before has a 17 or 18 year old junior in high school or senior in high school had this uh, one in a million chance to make millions of dollars. Um, and, and there are lawyers and uh, conglomerates that are trying to maximize that not only for the player but also for themselves i said before you joined us and obviously since you and i last spoke arch manning has chosen texas over uga and john the thing i think i've noticed in the aftermath of that there are more georgia fans instead of saying hey what's the other big quarterback commit we can get the thing that i 
to hear Georgia fans asking in light of the Manning news is, well, tell me more about the quarterbacks currently on this roster. Could mm-hmm. Carson Beck be just as good or Brock Vandergriff be just as good or eventually Gunnar Stockton there as well that there was already a lot of curiosity about the Georgia quarterbacks currently on the roster. And by the way, this predated you know the decision by Manning. There were plenty of Georgia fans who thought, well, tell me more about these guys even before that. But in the aftermath of the Manning news, you're hearing that even more. We did hear Smart Speak on Friday during an interview with a different media outlet uh, about you know his confidence in that group right now John what's your read the best that you can sort of get the sense of about what Georgia might have in Carson Beck Brock Vandegrift and Gunnar Stockton and how much do you want to see if you look ahead to 2023 Georgia starting quarterback come from that group and not be you know um uh, either a freshman quarterback which now seems very unlikely or a transfer quarterback which may be you know slightly more likely how much do you want to see the future at the Georgia quarterback position be one of those three guys I just mentioned either Carson or Brock or Gunner I want it to be the best player that uh, can lead Georgia to another national championship and I think that's really the bottom line that most fans and coaches and invested parties in this Georgia program that's where we want to get to and uh, let's be honest with ourselves. Uh, the addition of Arch Manning would have been great. He's, he's one of the highest, if not the highest rated quarterback in his class. And, you know, he comes from probably the best pedigree of, uh, family quarterbacks in, in the game. And, um, you know, there, there's exciting propositions to that. But, uh, where Georgia program is, they've added over these past few years, other top quarterbacks in their in their respective classes. I, I am uh, I'm excited to see what comes from that quarterback room. I think the fact that uh, Georgia has continued to recruit that position extraordinarily well has left them in a position where they missed out on uh, their target quarterback, and you're not going, oh no, this is uh, this could spell disaster for the dogs. That's not the scenario. I think you know, fans are, are excited to see. Um, what the the development has been for some of these five-star quarterbacks that Georgia's been able to uh, stash in one position group room for these past couple of years. I, I, I'm one who's in that same camp. I, I've been excited when I've seen, you know, some of their mop-up duty in regular games and, and watched them play in the, the spring game and in practices because they're very talented in their own right. I think they bring a different skill set. Um, from one another, especially when you look at Gunner. But um, it's, it's, it's one of these scenarios where for most programs, you miss out on your target quarterback and uh, your fan base is going, oh, no, this is, this is devastating news. And for Georgia, you're going, you know, it, it stings. I certainly would uh, have loved to have gotten a quarterback of Arch Manning's caliber. But you know what? I feel pretty good that we either have the answer in-house or uh, Georgia would be able to possibly dip into that transfer pool because our program is, is as strong as it's been. But candidly, I think we've got the right candidate um, developing in our quarterback room already. Let me ask you a procedural question here for a moment because here's the one thing that I think a lot of fans ask pretty frequently is, 
well, how do these guys get to show what they're all about? Because the complaint sometimes, John, is that when Georgia has a big lead, if you put in a backup quarterback, you're not really turning him loose to let him throw a lot. You're basically, for the most part, pretty content to sit on a big lead, run the clock, get out of there, and you know, you know, live to, to play during a tough season beyond that. Some fans sort of wish there'd be a little bit more experimenting going on with young quarterbacks. A lot of programs do the same way that Georgia does, but that's kind of the way that it goes down. Like, I'm thinking back to your Georgia career for a moment, you know, going back to your time with Coach Don, and I think in 2000, he said, hey, maybe I should have played David Green as a true freshman. You let him redshirt that year. Obviously, Coach Rick certainly benefited from Green the following year as a redshirt freshman I think coach Donnan has said in the past that maybe he should have played him as a true freshman like like how do you look at a young quarterback if you're a coach and you see okay this is a guy that maybe we do think should get a chance to play this is a guy that maybe we do think we should prepare to 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 see if he could play I mean obviously practice reps but honestly there's not enough practice reps to go around for everybody Mm -hmm. at least it certainly seems like what is the and this is kind of a long-winded question but what is the procedure by which you can determine if a quarterback might be ready to go out there yeah i, I think stetson bennett is probably your best case study and uh you, what what we learned from that scenario is you know in the off season really in, in maybe the first week or two of training camp everybody's getting chances uh, to, to get reps and uh kind of show what you've got the closer you get to season uh, if you're three or four, um, you don't get those same chances. And it's going to take some uh, some change in scenario, whether it's an injury or poor performance, to even get the reps to show what you've got. And um, I, I, Stetson was, what, three or four, probably five at one point in the depth chart when Jamie Newman was still uh, on campus in that offseason. And he was an afterthought. So if you're a player that's not in that one or two slot, um, the off season, those reps are huge. And then just being able to absorb as much as you can in the classroom and film study, what learning from the guy in front of you, because you're not going to get those reps. I Stetson certainly didn't get those reps. And when given the opportunity, the expectation was for him to be prepared. And it's no different for, um, this group of quarterbacks, Stetson's going to get the number one reps. And uh, at least on paper, you would think the, the two reps would fall to, to Carson. And then uh, Vandergriff and Gunner are going to have to learn and develop and improve not only on their own time, but with the very limited number of reps. And the closer you get to season, those reps will continue to shrink. So, uh, their development up to this point, this off season is going to be huge. And then early on in training camp, uh, when given the opportunity, they're going to need to be maximizers because once you get closer to the season, those reps shrink and it's becoming, uh, I've got to learn through the experience of the man in front of me. John, super fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for sharing your uh, point of view with us here today. We certainly appreciate that. And uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again very soon here on Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pelo Window and Door of George as well. Always enjoy it, Diego Dog. Thank you, sir. Let's take a look around the rest of the league. This is SEC Through. Yeah, I think what John's touching on there is really fascinating. And as I said before, I don't really have a good picture in my mind for how this works. And I think part of this is due to the fact, and this is just as honest as I can be, is that when Kirby Smart describes this situation, he sort of says whatever benefits him in that particular moment. I don't know that Smart's always been as forthcoming as he could be but exactly how all of this goes on because he sometimes just chooses words about quarterbacks so carefully 
that you're left with a little bit cloudier picture than you otherwise would have about what is the process by which all this takes place like the example i've given before is is like what was carson Beck doing last year during practice because you're obviously giving starter reps to your starting quarterback that's a lion's share of those you're giving backup reps to the guy who's your backup quarterback in case he's needed that's jt daniels brock vandegrift is your scout team quarterback giving the starting defense a look so what does that leave Beck doing last year and if you're a guy that wants to you know show that you can be the starting quarterback like how do you show it and there's clearly a process for doing that but i'm honestly not all that sometimes clear about exactly what that process would be especially since as a lot of folks have pointed out that george in the grind of a season is not necessarily using the fourth quarter of these blowout games is like a de facto version of g-day to go out there and you know let you know somebody you know shine in garbage time i personally think the garbage time stats are sort of overrated anyway i'm not quite so sure that's great prep for actual close competition in the early stages of the game but a lot of fans would like to see more of that and since you don't always see a ton of that well what is the way in which you evaluate future quarterbacks i do think that's one of those conversations that i would love to learn more about maybe at some point in time we will be able to but for now though let's get ready to go cruise around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean if you're watching on video today one of the things that you will notice is that i'm actually wearing my dog nation cruise t-shirt now i'm wearing this dog nation cruise t-shirt for a specific reason i have told you before that we've been talking you know of course last few weeks about my next royal caribbean cruise vacation and last night we actually booked it uh now listen it's not until like 2023 a long time from now so it's not like the next little bit or anything uh but we did book a royal caribbean cruise vacation for 2023 you're already able to do that right now to be honest with you we got actually a great deal uh without getting uh you know more specific than that so uh, i was very very excited about the price that we got on ours to be our first time taking our children on a cruise they haven't been on one before so we're really excited about doing that with them and it's just an example of me kind of doing exactly what i tell you that we do on here every single day which is think about royal caribbean cruises and having a good time doing all that whether it be the flow rider which is like the wave simulator surf simulator in the back you get the zip line that goes across the top of the ship uh it, it's so many fun things to do and that's one of the reasons why we wanted our kids to be there is because you know when you see all of just the cool like add-on amenities you know fun opportunities that are on board these ships like the destinations themselves are cool but honestly for my kids it's some of the stuff that you see on the ship that's so much fun and when my wife and i were on our own royal caribbean cruise vacation this past february we thought boy you know it's much fun as she and i were having together and it's good as a husband and wife can get away on your own but we were thinking about how much fun it would also be to one day be able to take our kids on a royal caribbean cruise vacation like that and that's exactly what we're going to get a chance to do here so i'm just really excited about all of that and i encourage you to do the same thing so check out our friends at the cruise and vacation authority they can help you with that tcava.com that's tcava.com or you can give them a call 770-952-8300 and they'll help you get booked up there today so big news in the sec away from football which is that old miss has claimed another college baseball national championship for the league taking down future sec member of the oklahoma sooners in the process now i've told you before i've been jealous the entire time in this college world series i want to go to omaha so bad i want to take dog nation daily to omaha and be there for the college world series it just looks like a ton of fun and we've seen in various years you know various numbers of sec teams completely take over the place mississippi state kind of did last year Ole miss kind of doing that this year a whole bunch of sec fans there at the beginning and it just looks like a blast and i know a lot of you're like well yeah i want george to be good in all the sports and I, I guess i do there as well but this is where i just have to be really honest like there are certain sports i just don't follow that closely like 
I mean, I know Georgia got a great heritage in tennis, but I'm not a big tennis fan, and I'm not against Georgia's you know tennis, and certainly don't you know have anything against them doing well in tennis. But that's not a sport I personally follow. Same thing for like track and field. They've had a lot of you know success recently in track and field. Made a big hire a couple of years ago, and obviously Matthew Bowling's been there, and they've had you know some championship success in track and field. And you know clearly I'm not against Georgia being good in that sport either. But that's not a sport I really follow. It doesn't mean a ton to me. But man, oh man, when you look at the uh, uh, the college baseball scene, that's a sport that I just really enjoy, and I I just love to see you know Georgia as involved in the college baseball scene as a lot of the other SEC teams are. But here's where I think you have to be a little honest about you know one thing that's a little bit tricky for Georgia in comparison to some of the other SEC programs, and that's simply this: is that Georgia plays baseball in the shadow of a major league baseball team and i do think that makes the the landscape here in the state of georgia a little trickier and this is not an excuse for why they haven't won more in recent years it's just a difference between like say you see the box in baton rouge louisiana always packed out huge stadium obviously the 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 scene there really both mississippi schools Ole miss mississippi state have both developed great home field advantages other sec schools you can say something close to the same thing these are all programs that play many hundreds of miles away from the closest major league baseball team for georgia baseball it's not quite the same thing and in fact i'll give you a, a quick example here is that if you uh bumped into me on the street one day and said hey ba who's your favorite football team i without hesitation would say oh it's the georgia bulldogs like for me when i think about football i think about college football and i think about uga in particular there's an nfl franchise in atlanta but for whatever reason for me that's never meant nearly as much to me as the college football team the the georgia bulldogs do that's just kind of the landscape of our state it's kind of the way in which i grew up but baseball wise it is not that way even someone like me who's like gotten way more into college baseball here in recent years if you bumped me on the street and said hey ba who's your favorite baseball team without hesitation i'm going to say the braves because when i think about baseball that's just kind of what i think about and there are darn near you know hundreds of thousands if not million people who kind of think the same thing that's not a slide at georgia or a slide at georgia baseball in particular but it does speak to the challenge in terms of mind share and the fact that people can't be thinking about too many things at the same time there's already a lot of mind share devoted to, to the braves when it comes to the baseball culture here in our state and how georgia kind of fights for that mind share knowing that there's only so much media attention to go around and only so much fan attention to go around and if you're uga baseball you're kind of fighting against the braves for some of that georgia football more than holds its own against the falcons but the braves given their deep roots in the community just makes it a little bit tough that's not an excuse or a reason why georgia baseball won't be great but it is different than the other sec teams when it comes to the fact that it plays just a few miles away from major league baseball there as well and a lot of the people who are big georgia fans happen to be also big braves fans there as well this past fall kind of indicates just how true that is so bottom line here is i just crave the opportunity to see georgia baseball be as successful as other sec programs have been but it is a little bit different landscape here in the state of Georgia and trying to figure that out. It's certainly part of the job. I want to get back to the Florida stuff here for a minute, too, as we're cruising around the SEC, courtesy of the Royal Caribbean. And obviously, I think if you're a Georgia fan, the main thing you kind of do uh, in the aftermath of all that's played out the last couple of days is basically just laugh at Florida. And, you know, the idea that the attorney for Rashada basically said the Gator Collective was dysfunctional. That sounds really funny. Florida missing out on another big recruiter that had a chance to win. That's uh, just kind of really funny there as well and sort of laughing at their ineptitude 
is certainly an example uh, of all of that. But I do find myself once again asking a question I've asked a bunch during this NIL era that we're living in. Are any of the claims being thrown around believable at all? And once again, I kind of find myself saying the idea that Rashada, the quarterback, is taking nine point something million from Miami, whatever the specific figure is, turning down 11 point something million from Florida in the process. This just seems very difficult to believe that whatever money is changing hands here is a fraction of the amount of money that Caspino, the lawyer for Rashada, has saying it is. And, you know, at a certain point in time, whether it's on three, the, the outlet that wrote the original story or some of the other outlets that have kind of covered this, I would just give anything to have a little more substantial, accurate reporting and if the if I'm wrong and these numbers are all true, then then give me more proof than just the claim of some blowhard lawyer who seems to love patting himself on the back. Give me more than just this guy's word for it as as, as to why this is. But it just seems to be another example of the most outrageous monetary claims are accepted at total face value here with little skepticism whatsoever, because any skepticism makes the story worse or makes the source less likely to speak to you, I would suggest um i just think we're left to wonder like what is really going on here and if honestly if you're a florida fan i i have some sympathy for you on this that obviously the the gator collective has reason to argue their own cause the lawyer for rashada has reason to argue his own cause the other programs kind of in the periphery of all this are kind of left to wonder well you know clearly we know nil is a huge factor in recruiting but how big are the accurate actual monetary figures i'm sorry i still don't think we have any idea about that because i believe there's so much exaggeration in some of the claims that are being made and this with rashada just the latest example of that i'm not sure if we'll ever really find out what's going on but it seems hard to believe that the stories as have been reported are completely totally accurate on all of that uh one piece of recruiting news tony mitchell uh five-star defensive back from the terrific thompson program in alabama committed to the university of alabama over the weekend bama for the most part has been pretty quiet in the 2023 recruiting cycle thus far i mean actually you know for all we've said about florida and their you know big misses in recruiting uh, the truth is, is up until recently, you know, Alabama's been kind of like right there. I think like maybe like one spot ahead of them in the composite ranking, something like that, kind of down there in the 40s. They've been pretty quiet in recruiting thus far. But the Mitchell news here is an example. That beast is starting to wake up there a bit. And this is a player that I think that, you know, Georgia had some involvement with. Obviously, he took a visit to UGA. But ultimately, it's all said and done, makes his pledge there to uh, the University of uh, Alabama. I don't know a ton of Georgia fans that thought Georgia was getting Mitchell, but nonetheless, there had been some involvement, but ultimately it's Alabama that steps up and uh, wins on that. And finally, let let me just mention this here really quickly. So you know the Manning Passing Academy has gone on, and you know there was a huge number of SEC quarterbacks who were there, including Stetson Bennett. There was some video that came out of Bennett uh, while there over the course of the weekend there was another name that was there that kind of got my attention a little bit do you know who ty thompson is ty thompson is that? Like a redshirt freshman quarterback at oregon for all the attention that gets paid to bo nix transfer into oregon you might keep your eye on thompson there just a little bit this is a young quarterback who seems to have some talent he was certainly praised for the work that he did at the manning passing academy uh here this past week and if you're a Georgia fan, handicapping that Georgia-Oregon game for 
the upcoming season. I've told you before, I think this is a game the Georgia defense plays very well in. Obviously, the uh, history against Bo Nix is one of the reasons why I think, I told you before, I think Georgia pitches a shutout there that day, just simply because that's the kind of defense that Georgia's typically played against Bo Nix. But there's also at least some possibility. It is not Nix who Georgia plays against. There is at least some possibility here uh, that you're thinking about a different quarterback at the helm for the Oregon Ducks. That'll be a summer story worth following there. Uh, a little bit when it comes to all of that we'll make that cruising around the sec courtesy of royal caribbean and i was going to do another story Uh, i'm running super late today let me just wait and and do some of that kind of stuff tomorrow instead let me tell you about my friends at college app uh student uh, loans uh do you need last minute help to cover your college expenses we're obviously heading into a time of year when folks are kind of thinking about how you get that done how you get that uh college taken care of well this is where college app steps in and does that for you i'm about private student loans from college app student loans that can cover the full cost of college for you great thing here they can take the stress out of the experience that you have and let's face it those of us who are parents and especially if you have kids who are kind of of this age it's one of the biggest concerns you have is how do you get college paid for how do you get that final check sent off so you can get uh your uh, son or daughter onto a campus somewhere and going through a great college experience well that's where college ab steps in to do all of this for you you can breathe just a little bit easier knowing those bills are taken care of uh full bill covered there from our friends at college ab so get the uh, website for more on this it's collegeav.com for more on that collegeav.com uh, uh, for a lot more they got great customer service the application's like a three-minute process super quick and you can take some big steps towards getting uh, that college uh, tuition check paid for with our friends at College Ave. Find out more online, collegeav.com. That's A-V-E, the uh, abbreviation, collegeav.com for a lot more on that. All right, sincere apologies here for a moment. Uh, we've obviously mocked Florida a lot during the show today, so maybe this kind of helps take up for that. I had a little bit of a technical glitch as I was preparing today's golden shoe, and so we are shoeless for the uh, program here today, but it also serves as a great reminder to me to remind all of you that we love to have you on this part of the program as we mock and make fun of these lousy stinking gators each and every day the golden shoe a big part of the way we do that so just send your submissions to me the easiest way to do that is on twitter at dog nation daily we'll make sure we get those out for you apologize for that today as I said before uh, my photoshop kind of glitched on me a little bit today so i wasn't able to get that done but i am able to provide this for you how about a gator hater updater it seems like it's gonna be a long time before florida wins a championship again and we're reminded it's been a long time since they have won one as well how about four thousand nine hundred eighteen days yikes what a disaster and gator hater countdown florida and its broke collective gonna be limping into jacksonville 124 days from right now dogs getting a big win there We will see you tomorrow, Dog Nation Daily, presented by Pella, Window, and Door of Georgia. And on the podcast, time now for the R.S. Andrews podcast. Cool cool down. We'll take a couple of your comments. A lot of folks weighing in on the quarterback situation there at UGA. I will read a few of these. Of course, reminds you, we're brought to you by R.S. Andrews when you turn to for your air conditioning, heating, plumbing, electric needs. Uh, glad to have them as part of the program and glad to be able to tell you that you can reach out to them if you need to get that air conditioning unit tuned back up to factory fresh specs uga dad 20 writing in on the subject of arch manning so he said it in february march after watching the basketball clips of arch play um and and seeing you know norcross burkmar playing here in georgia says like comparing an eighth grade game to a high level varsity game he says the uh video clip we showed on friday show of the barstool account is indicative of what the competition looks like that arch was playing against yeah, we admittedly had some fun with that on Friday, and obviously we're mostly doing that from kind of a um, 
you know, kind of a spiteful standpoint, but you know, obviously there'll always be a great level of intrigue about just how good of a prospect that he really is. You know, the Manning name, I don't think makes him more likely to succeed, but the fact that he's gotten a lot of attention doesn't necessarily make him less likely to succeed either. I mean, the one thing that we know is he was always going to be the number one prospect because it's clearly drawn in a lot of mainstream media attention that otherwise doesn't exist for a typical five-star quarterback. And we'll be left to decide and see for ourselves exactly how good he's going to end up being. Um, uh, Smarts the man says Sarkeesian made it clear the Texans would have a run-it-up offense, and that's apparently what Arch was waiting to hear. Makes me wonder why they even considered George in the first place. Asking Kirby to sacrifice his defense running game for pass Saffy offense is a misled assumption. Yeah, maybe that's the case. I mean, you know, uh, Georgia did score with 38, 39 points per game a, a, a year ago. So it's not like this is an inept offense that certainly Georgia's running. But uh, I'll be the first to tell you, I do have a lot of respect for Steve Sarkeesian as a play caller. I think the jury is out on him as a head coach for, for a number of reasons, looking back at multiple stops. But, and by the way, his play calling with the Atlanta Falcons wasn't necessarily great but uh, when you look at the uh, series of successful offensive coordinators that Alabama has had I believe that Steve Sarkeesian's performance in 2020 stands as the top amongst that group Uh, let's see what else Uh, the DEC says that people said the same thing about both Eli and Peyton coming out of high school that one of our other earlier commenters said about Arch in terms of you know what he's doing against that level of competition and you never you know quite know uh also the dec criticizes me for having predicted that manning would come here to uh uh uga and somebody else did the same thing yeah uh my dog ryan did the same thing there on that and i, I said this on the show on friday you know clearly we like to give loud opinions it's fun to do that it's also probably part of the job and there's always an ego bruise when you don't get one right. And on the case of the Arch Manning thing, I did not get that right. So you have to kind of own that. Um, Jim Dog 85 also writes in to say, hey, Brandon, I agree that neither you nor I have any idea about the depth of the current UGA quarterback room. However, one person I know who has a pretty good idea is Arch Manning. He says, my guess is that he looked around and saw all that was going to be going on there and saw some pretty tough competition to unseat the players already in the roster. At Texas, he's all but assured of being the starter uh, during a sophomore season so given the uh, short three years he's looking at to spend in college there was no guarantee he would be the starter at Georgia by then and IL may have played a part in his decision but the path to being a starter probably played a bigger role in my estimation so Jim Dog 85 weighing in on that we're always happy to, ha- ha- happy to have all your comments here's a part of the RS Andrews cool down we'll invite those uh, again for tomorrow there as well it's fun when we have a lot of comments to read always your point of view on that incredibly valuable so send them to me on twitter at dog nation daily or in the comment section at dognation.com we'll see you back here again tomorrow as a part of the rs andrews podcast cool down after dog nation daily presented by palo window and door of georgia we'll look forward to talking to you then